Come with me to the book of the Revelation, chapter 13. This series is simply titled, What's Next? It's not a question mark. It's a period. What's next? As we read the scriptures, we're seeing what's next. It's not a question mark, but this particular installment is, Will you receive the mark of the beast? Huh? We'll see. God help us. Revelation chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, that causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man." And his number is six hundred, three score and six. Or as we usually refer to it as it is, six, six, and six. Now, briefly, in the thirteenth chapter of the book of the Revelation, we have two creatures called beasts. And I won't go through that, otherwise it'll be a commentary on this chapter and not the main part that I want to get to today. Will you receive the mark of the beast? The average Christian not all professing Christians, but the average Christian will say, not me. But let me go further and give you some things to think about in light of recent developments in our world, in our society, and in the church, including this church, including this branch of Christ's church. So we have two beasts, and to get to the point, we know that one is the person yet to come that we know as the Antichrist, a world ruler who will have established a world government and rule with absolute power. And the second beast here in Revelation 13 is also known as the false prophet that will put together a world religion, bring the religions of the world together, which if you read any religion, including our own Christianity, you realize intellectually they're incompatible. But you see, if you stress people enough, such as we have in cases of prisoners of war, torture them enough, some, not all, some will spill their guts, they'll give it up. Benjamin Franklin once said that people who will exchange liberty for security deserve neither. And these founders were pretty wise men. Anyway, we have here these two beasts. Obviously, they're images that we can picture. A real man in both cases, Antichrist and the false prophet, working with him. That's really giving power for those of us who are, let's say, religious, spiritual that would lend credibility to this one that prophetically is known as the Antichrist. And as I've said before and have said it to you this morning, and I'm going to say it now again, all the signs, minus just a few, all the signs that we need to see of these things coming to pass in our lifetime are with us right now. 
Will you receive the mark of the beast? What is the mark of the beast? And we have it now. We have it now. I'll give you some examples from newspapers and journalists. It's been with us for quite some time. And thankfully, thankfully, the justice of God works very slowly because the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and to know him, to be born again. However, the wheels are turning. However, slowly they're turning. And we must acknowledge that. And by the way, I think I'll mention this again later on, but in case I forget, nothing that you hear today is designed to frighten you. Bible prophecy is not designed to frighten believers in Christ. As a matter of fact, it's designed to alert us that our redemption is getting very, very close. Oddly, as we have throughout history, oddly, people who truly want world peace are not likely to find it. For those of us who have taken Jesus up on his offer to follow him on a narrow path, that is difficult and somewhat dangerous in a manner of speaking to pass through, everything is going to be reversed. That which we are seeking, which is world peace, his kingdom to come, paradise restored, will occur. It is going to happen, but not everyone will see it. And the scriptures are plain about that. We must be sure that we are seeking the truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. That what we want is the truth. I told you, I could give up everything that's written in the Bible. Everything. Everything I've ever said for over 40 plus years. Almost 45 years. I could give it all up if I knew conclusively this is not true. The good news for me is, and I hope for you, is that the longer I go and the more I study, the more I pray, the more I contemplate and meditate and so on, the more proof I see that God actually wrote this book. And I say this to you courteously. My job is to preach and to persuade, but I don't control who is born again, who's not. I don't control, as I told you so many times, what you do, who you listen to. I don't control anything. I just control myself. What I think and what I believe and what I do, and beyond that, I don't control anything. Certainly, I don't control God. My job is to preach and to persuade. My job is to lead as a pastor here in a local church. Beyond that, that's all that I can do. It's all the power that's given to me. It's a limited sovereignty. It's a limited amount of authority. Will you receive the mark of the beast? Well, we already have it with us now. But it is in, as I've said to you before, a type of dress rehearsal form. If you've ever been in a play, some of you maybe have been involved in theater. If you've ever been in any type of activity like that, I have as a grade school child. You have dress rehearsals, usually the night before. If it's a big production, it's going on for weeks before. You go through what is going to transpire on the stage or in film. You rehearse. I believe, and I have from the beginning of this recent installment with COVID-19 and the way it's being conducted, because I've said this to you, and if you have a scholarly peer-reviewed article that you can send to me that says COVID is dangerous for everybody on the planet, I like to read it. I like to check the credentials of the people who wrote it. But I haven't found any. What I find is just something thrown out there, like the newscasters used to do during the 60s, the Vietnam War. The only thing we found every night was how many people were killed in Vietnam, Americans mainly. And we didn't find much about the dynamics of the war, what was behind it, and so on. So it threw the United States not only into a panic, but into a full-blown rebellion, not only against the United States government and the president and whoever else, but against soldiers who were giving their lives Soldiers who risked their lives come back into a nation that they served under the flag that they served to be called baby killers. Well, it wasn't their idea to go to war. 
For those that didn't volunteer, they were conscripted. They were drafted. They were told, you're going. And they come back to their own people who they were sent to defend and called baby killers and so on. And why was that? Because of the propaganda that was given to us during that period of time. As an aside, I just wanted to give you this quote. It's anonymous. I don't know who came up with it, but I think it's fitting in some respects. And it says this, the price of freedom is the defense of idiots. And I think there's some truth to that. The very people that soldiers are defending, I've had this said to me on social media with expletives about the military and soldiers. Of course, as a pastor, I'm limited in what I can say. As a man, there's a lot I'd like to say and I can't say. But I did write to at least one person that the price of freedom is the defense of idiots. Basement-dwelling, pot-smoking gamers who say to go blank the military, protecting their very rights to sit in their mother's basement and father's basement and eat their food when they're in their 40s. The price of freedom is the defense of idiots. I think there's truth to that statement. In any case, our subject here is the mark of the beast, and we have it with us. And so let's go through some of the dynamics of the order of what's next. We have covered at length over the years that I've been here with you as your pastor, apostasy in the church has been going on for a long, long time. Before any of us here, any of you watching, listening by way of radio, it's been going on for a long, long time. Before any of us were born, there's been a defection from the faith. Except now we're seeing it in a more macroscopic way. We're seeing it with our eyes. We're seeing churches being filled up where false teachers and false prophets are there on the platform And the churches that are preaching the word of God that have stayed with sound doctrine, one by one, they're filtering out. People have itchy ears, 2 Timothy chapter 4. They're going to find teachers and preachers that are telling them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. But then again, we have to ask the question, what are you seeking? What are people seeking? Are they seeking the truth? Or just tell me what I want to hear. Do you go to the doctors to have him or her tell you what you want to hear about your condition or what you need to hear? I think I told you my dad went to a cardiologist. He had an aneurysm the size of a grapefruit. His cardiologist at the time said to him, well, it's a great way to die. My father wisely switched cardiologists. We wound up in Houston, Texas, which was the only place, Methodist Hospital, that had been operating on well-known and wealthy people, people of notoriety, all over the world went there at that time for this cardiovascular surgery, and it came out very successful. Do you go to your doctor to hear what you want to hear? That's not good. I've heard a few things from my doctors I didn't want to hear. I could have just switched doctors and said, tell me what I want to hear. This is what I want to hear here. This is what I want you to say in your report. And maybe he would. That's unethical and illegal as well. Or maybe she would. But it's not the truth. The truth is, Pastor Barnett, you're in danger. You better do something about it. See, I like the truth. I want to hear the truth. I don't want a sycophant telling me something that I want to hear. And there's plenty of things I would prefer to hear, believe me. But because in my heart of hearts, I want the truth, because I know only the truth can make me free. Apostasy is going on. The church has been going on for a long time. But now we're seeing it with our eyes. People who were once very fervent in their faith with Christ, little by little, like the hands on a clock, are ticking away, moving out. And I told you this before. It's not that they're not going to a church somewhere. They're selecting the pastor they want. That's the part you should do. The part you shouldn't do is to pick a pastor who tells you what you want to hear. Where you have written out your own gospel and you find the pastor who's saying, yeah, I agree with him. It's not important what you agree with or you disagree with. It's important what does the scripture say. And only someone who really wants to hear the truth will be able to endure to the end. 
You have to want to hear the truth because the truth will save you in the end. The truth will make you free. Nothing else will do. A lie is not going to save you from a heart attack if your arteries are totally clogged. Apostasy. So I won't mention much about that here. False Christ, false teachers, false prophets. These are all things that Jesus talked about. Wars. These are quotes now from magazines or journals. Wars. Jesus talked about that. Quote, the 20th century was the bloodiest, costliest century of warfare in human history. Two world wars and a large number of major revolutions, along with significant social, political, and economic upheavals, made the period from 1901 to 2000 of great importance in a historical and military sense, and I will add, which they didn't, and in a prophetic sense. I was born in the middle of the 20th century, as some of you were, and even before that. And we saw coming to pass the words of Jesus. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And we're still hearing it today. As far as rumors of wars go, Georgetown University poll just recently said this. The poll was taken, and this was what they came up with. Quote, the majority of Americans believe, this is just a few weeks ago, believe that we are two-thirds on the way to being on the edge of a civil war. Now, I've been saying this to you mostly at Bible studies for over a year, year and a half. I'm hearing credible people. People who you can trust, entertaining the notion that we could have another civil war that we've read about in history books. And believe me, if you've read about any war, it's not good. And yet in Georgetown University, those that they polled, whoever they were, came up with that insight. Quote, the Pentagon is coming in the opening stages of redesigning the force around the challenges of Russia and China. The department's number two uniformed official said Tuesday. And again, this is just a few weeks ago. While warning that America may not be able to afford preparing for two unique problem sets. Then we can go further, which we won't for lack of time. Who China may go to war with? All the different nations, and that's not including America. And then all that Russia may be fighting. We know that Russia is in the book prophetically, and so is China. We don't know about America. Some say that they know. They don't know. They say they know. They don't know. It's one of those things where a lot of meekness and a lot of humility is got to be with the individual, including you, studying the scriptures because there are certain things that, for lack of a better term, are hid from our eyes. We don't know. We do know about China and we do know about Russia. And this was coming out of the Pentagon. Again, America is heading in the direction of another Harper's Ferry. After that comes Fort Sumter. This is from a tweet on Twitter from Representative Steve King of Oregon after the protesters shut down an ICE office there. Kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. We've read about that, and we see it happening now. How about famines? Jesus talked about famines. Global famine is on the way, one headline stated. The world faces its biggest crisis, from symbolism to statistics. In its largest world hunger report, the UN tells that the number of hungry people in the world has risen to over 821 million. That's one in nine people alive today, and is projected to increase further. The world to come, and it's coming sooner than we would like. And I'm reading to you all secular reports, by the way. These are not coming from Christian people, or they don't announce that they are, but they're in secular magazines, newspapers, and articles. And it's coming sooner than we would like. The world of the future will be one of deprivation, scarcity, and the dull ache of a long, empty belly. What about pestilences? Jesus talked about pestilences. The Washington Post had an article, and it started with this question. How many diseases are there in the world 
The focus, they said, is really on rare diseases, but a credible case can be made that there are at least 10,000 diseases in the world, though there is likely more, and there are a bit over 500 treatments. So far as round numbers go, 10,000 diseases over 500 treatments works as a talking point. We are watching Bible prophecy unfold right before our eyes, right now. Earthquakes. This is a subject I've always had a difficult time studying because the records are so long. It's hard to put it in a succinct form, though. I'll give it my best shot. Earthquakes, which Jesus talked about those as being another sign. The famines and the kingdoms against kingdoms and the nations against nations. You understand nations is ethnicity, ethnic groups, civil wars, nation against nation, national wars. Earthquakes. 2017, September the 19th, Mexico had a 7.1 quake. August the 24th, 2016, Italy had a 6 point. These are only major, major earthquakes. 6.2 magnitude earthquake. April the 16th, 2016, Ecuador had a 7.8 earthquake. Afghanistan in 2015 on October the 26th had a 7.8 earthquake. August the 3rd, 2014, China had a magnitude 6.3 earthquake. 2013, September the 24th in Pakistan, twin earthquakes. measuring 7.8 and 6.8. August the 11th, 2012 in Iran, two strong quakes measuring 6.4 and 6.3 respectively. August the 23rd, 2011, Turkey, 7.2 earthquake. Christchurch, New Zealand, February 22nd, 2011, a 6.3 earthquake. 2010, February 27th in Chile, 8.8 magnitude. Realize that from 6 to 7, the magnitude goes up 100%. So from 5 to 6, it's 100 times. 6 to 7 is 100 more times. We went from 7 to 8, and some of these earthquakes to an 8 point. It magnified 100 times. These are very large earthquakes. And they've taken place in the last 10 years. Now, there's been bigger ones before that, too, but now it's being tracked. That's the main thing with the technology that we have. New Zealand, 2011, February the 22nd, a 6.3 magnitude quake. Chile, 2010, February 27th, 8.8 magnitude quake. 2010, January 13th in Haiti, 7.0 magnitude earthquake. China, 28. May the 12th, about 87,600 people killed in Shukan province after a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit the region. January the 8th, 2020, and I mention this because I know some of you have relatives still living in Puerto Rico. 6.4 magnitude earthquake struck Puerto Rico. And then you look at the magnitude of earthquakes that happened just this year alone. That's why this is a very difficult statistic, earthquakes, because they're being measured all around the world And there's not so much, according to the United States Geological Society, not so much an increase, but the fact that we're able to measure them. And Jesus didn't actually say there would be an increase. He just said there would be earthquakes and divers in different places. So we don't need to have a necessary increase. Just the fact that now, let's say, for instance, there was an earthquake in, let's say, Puerto Rico. And it's the 1600s. By the time a ship got to the United States of America, or the colonies back then, or the newspapers, it would take a month. Now it's milliseconds. It appears on our phone. I'll get to that in just a minute. It appears on our computers. I mean, the one you have and you make phone calls with. In milliseconds. Why? Because Daniel 12 said that knowledge shall increase. And men shall go to and fro. These things that we are seeing and have seen in our lifetime. And I'm a baby boomer. That we're seeing in our lifetime is unprecedented in world history. How close is the coming of Christ? It is very, very close. Very, very close. 
Jesus talked about signs in the heavens in the gospel according to St. Luke. This was just a couple of weeks back. NASA, this is the headlines, NASA says this year could end with a bang. This is NASA. Scientists recently spotted an asteroid on a direct collision course to Earth, projected to hit a day before the presidential elections in November. A NASA administrator warned last year asteroids could be the biggest threat to Mother Earth. Now, in respect to this, to be honest, the asteroid was only about six feet long. And they've hit the Earth before, of course. But if you read technology, cosmology, and so on, experts, they're seeing more and more. Of course, technology is allowing us to see more and more. But Jesus talks about the stars of the heavens falling to the earth. In the book of the Revelation, it says that men will cry out when they actually see God, the one true God. They'll be crying out that the mountains would fall on them and hide them. It really is striking how the Bible talks about meeting God and people talk about meeting God. I told you about the man that said that if there was a God, he has a lot of questions to answer. I don't think I've ever heard something more ridiculous in my life. God does not have to answer any question, but he's been merciful to us in giving us a book of 31,102 verses that we can read to reveal to us so that we're not afraid, so that we could take the proper measures. Otherwise, what would be the purpose? We'd be like everybody else, just walking in the woods and studying the stars. And study. I love anatomy and physiology. I still have my copy of Gray's Anatomy that I read periodically and Guidance Physiology. I love to look at it. I love to read it. I love all the details. I love the human body. Just incredible. And we can find a lot out about God, but not everything. And we wouldn't know where the world came from. We wouldn't know where we are right now. And we wouldn't know where we're headed But God has revealed these things to us so we can come to him so that we can make and take the proper measures and be saved from the wrath to come. Now, that's what the Bible says. From time to time, I'll have somebody correct me. Again, social media. It's a real blessing, isn't it? (laughs) Facebook is like being back in the fourth grade. The other platforms, Twitter is like a combat zone. There's a couple of ones that are decent, they're better, but even on the conservative one, one of the conservative social media platforms that I'm on, Parlay, has quite a lot of people. And I have quite a lot of followers. Every once in a while, some patriot will come out who happens to be an atheist and decide he's going to rock my world with some stupid statement. I don't even bother answering them anymore, I just block them. Unless the Irish comes out, then it's... uh, Forgiveness is easier to get than permission. So I have my moments. But ordinarily, I just say it's not worth the time and the effort. You see, we're seeing these signs in the heavens, the famines, the plagues, the earthquakes, the wars, the rumors of wars, the ethnic group against ethnic group. The Greek word under nation is ethnos, where we got a word ethnic or ethnicity. We're seeing all of that. We're seeing it happen in the United States of America, as we already know these things. But that's not really the issue here. If we see the signs, what are we doing? That's the question. What are we doing? And I'm saying this to you, again, courteously, or to those that are watching. You have to want to know the truth. I don't want to become political here, because I am unpolitical. Mark that in your notes. I've never been a fan of politics. I believe that what has been given to us, this United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, is a blessing. I really do, and I'm proud to be an American. But I've never had a trust in politicians, any of them. Because some men trust in chariots, and some men trust in horses, But I decided to put my trust in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And though I do vote, 
I marvel at people, and there's few, thank God, who, if I put up anything even remotely political, and mostly it's remote, boom, they just come right on me. I didn't attack them. It's like you coming into my house saying, I don't like that conversation. Do you know what I'm going to say to you after Buddy comes and greets you? That's my 100-pound East German shepherd. I'm going to say, what I say in my house is none of your business. Whatever I put on my timeline is mine. I don't even go to other people's timelines ever, really. I mean, or rarely. I can't say never, but rarely. Not that I don't care. I just don't have the time. I wish everybody happy birthday, as you know. I always do that. And other things when I see them, but I just don't have the time or desire. But they'll come and they'll find me, and they'll tell me all they disagree with. And the truth of it is, and I'll say it out loud, I don't care. I have to be polite, and I'll continue to be polite. I don't care. I'm a biblicist. My hope is in God. And we better start looking to God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob, of David, of the prophets, and Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. We better start looking to him exclusively. Then we'll have the wisdom to know what we're to do down here with all the reports that we are receiving now. And these are our signs. And again, what's really important here is not that we see them, but what we do with them, the changes they make in our life. I want to mention just very quickly about UFOs as signs in the heavens. I understand there's many people out there who are literally themselves out in outer space. But I read two books back to back because, you know, I get an interest sometimes, a curiosity in a subject, and I'll just go after it. I read them back to back. One was written by a Christian, and one was written by a non-Christian. And both of them very educated and, I would say, fair, not on that lunatic fringe. And interestingly, both of them came up with the same estimation that about 90% of unidentified flying objects that we see around the world can be explained as some type of phenomenon that is not actually a phenomenon, but we know about it. But 10% cannot be explained. But the Christian astrophysicist went on to explain biblically that these must be demonic, and I agree. Because we never have these visitors from space, the 10% that are unexplained, ever talk about Christ, ever talk about the one true God, they always talk about coming to the planet. They're going to help us out in all of this here. I agree with the Christian that these are demonic apparitions. Even those who have been abducted, if they actually have been abducted, what are they told? They never announce Jesus Christ because the scriptures tell us that a demon spirit cannot pronounce or will not pronounce that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he's the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is the Lord of the Old Testament. I wrote to you twice this week why you should be in church services, Bible study, why you should be praying and fellowshipping with other Christians. And this came out, in case you didn't read it, this week. Actually, it was a week ago yesterday. So we're talking about in the last seven days. This would be day eight. Quote, now listen, we all live here in the state of New York. The New York State Bar Association on Saturday, a week ago, passed a resolution urging the state to consider making it mandatory for all New Yorkers to undergo COVID-19 vaccination. When a vaccine becomes available, even if, now you can read this in the link I gave you, it came from their law journal, not mine. I'm not making this up. Even if people object to it for, quote, religious, philosophical, or personal reasons. Now, I know people who are politically liberal who have told me personally, they're not getting any vaccine. See, there is something very unusual happening here. At times, we find ourselves on a common ground. Now, this is how I came up with the, will you receive the mark of the beast? And I'm going to tell you that this is not it. Now, this is very problematic. I've been getting vaccines since I was little. I've never thought much of them. At the moment, I still don't. 
I must need to be more educated, I suppose, and I'll get that education in the course of time. But I say to myself, in the state of New York, and by the way, this recommendation from the New York State Bar Association, that's the group of lawyers way at the top that says you will or will not be a lawyer past the bar. They're saying, well, it should really be for the whole United States. 331 million people in change. To be told, you will get a vaccination. The title of the message is, will you receive the mark of the beast? Here's the thing. This is the dress rehearsal. If you would say to me today, Pastor Ray, will you get a vaccine? My answer is, I don't know. Now, look it. It will be the good guys, not the bad guys. It will be the good guys saying, stay away from that, Pastor. That's your decision. But I'm a thinking man. I want to know the truth. I'll jump ahead. So we have a medical doctor, Dr. Christiane Northrup, who you can see her on YouTube and has been passed around on Facebook. And so I took a look and I watched her interview. I'm not doubting her sincerity and I'm certainly not doubting her credentials because I looked them up. But she states that this vaccination here, the one coming, will, among other things, change your RNA, your ribonucleic acid. It's a part of your deoxyribonucleic acid, your DNA. It's going to alter your DNA. It has nanoparticles in it, which are basically microscopic little particles that can project into the cloud, into the airwaves, where you are, all your medical records. Changing your DNA is a serious thing. I mean, I can wind up being six foot six. And one eye blue and one eye brown. I mean, changing your DNA is a serious thing. But not disparaging her personally, I don't believe it yet. But is this likely in the future? Not only likely, it's going to happen. What I do believe is this, and I'll give you an example, which I have before. What I do believe is that this is a dress rehearsal to practice. What are we going to do? For me, I don't know. When I know, I'll let you know. I don't know. Right now, they don't have a vaccine, so I don't have to think about it for a few weeks few months. When someone says that you're going to get it, then I want to know how through the Bill of Rights. But here's the other thing now. The corruption in our country is so bad that the Constitution is merely theory. We've seen it. I don't have the time to go through all these dynamics again, but maybe at the Bible study we can do it if you have questions. We've seen it with our eyes. We've seen one group of people override the Constitution, scientists and others, while we're told to uphold it. As of Friday night, what's that, 48 hours ago? You can't have more than 10 people in your house with your own family. And when it comes to Thanksgiving, the most traveled holiday in America, forget about it. You will eat alone. Because our governor says, we follow the science. Well, we here follow the Lord. And we will never submit to any form of government, despotic, that tells us this is what you're going to do. Not when it comes to this book. We will be like the Hebrew midwives that refused to obey the command of Pharaoh because they feared the Lord. And it's unfolding right now. It's a dress rehearsal. Anyway, Dr. Christiane Northrup, I don't question her sincerity. I certainly don't question her credentials, but I do question her conclusions. You see, now listen to me. Here's the real trick. Most of you are biblically savvy and biblically initiated and biblically oriented. And where you won't expect deception to come from is from the good guys. Here's my example. If you insist, I'll take you in my library and I'll show you the books that are still on my shelf. 1999. We're being prepared for the crash of all computers all over the world. Scenarios of planes coming out of the sky and stock markets crashing and elevators stopping in mid-floor. How do I know that? I read the books. I read the Christian version of Y2K. I read the secular versions of Y2K. And I made preparations. We have, my wife and I have two kerosene heaters that I've never used. 
and a generator that is literally a fossil now, and cans of tuna, which we did eat. Because I was being told by people I trusted. It was never said it's going to happen, but everything that was there, it was implied. So we got the water together and put it in the basement. We got the tuna together. We got this and we bought that and a few other things. And then I'm sitting in my office one day. I know I've told you this, but it bears repeating. I'm sitting in my office one day because I'm a thinker. And I'm looking at my computer and it's staring at me. And we're looking at each other. And I realize that my computer doesn't know what day it is. I mean, if I change the clock. My computer doesn't know what year it is if I change the clock. So I came up with an idea. This was October 1999. I came up with an idea. Let me forward the clock to December the 31st, 1999, five minutes to midnight, and just watch what my computer does. Now, keep in mind, that's how I learned computers, by crashing them. (laughs) Crash and burn was my motto throughout the 90s. Let's see what this does. (laughs) Gone. Smoke. Now, I'm saying, boy, I could lose everything. All my messages, all my sermons, all my notes, whatever else was on there, software, everything. Downloads. I said it. December the 31st, 1999. It was five minutes to midnight, and I just waited second by second, minute by minute. And finally, it hit midnight. And you know what happened to my computer? Nothing. I came out that, I will never forget it. I came out that Sunday morning and preached to those of you who were there at the time. The basic gist of the message was, are we trusting in the words of men? Are we trusting in the word of God? Because here was the clue for me. Why do I not feel a peace about what I'm being told? Why do I not sense a leading of the Holy Spirit? By the way, just in passing, my messages, even though I try to stick to the series when I announce it, is deeply wrought with prayer, lots of prayer, lots of listening, not talking, listening, not just study. I do that every day anyway. It's, Lord, what is your will? Lord, what is it you want to say to your people? Sometimes he comes to me, that God wants me to say this, and I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this, Lord. Like Jeremiah, who said, I'm not going to say that. To the people, I'm not going to say that. I'm too young. God says, don't you say you're too young or I'll confound you before their faces. Reluctant prophet. Moses said, I'm not going to the people. Hey, send Aaron. Send my brother. He's pretty articulate. Me, I'm slow with speech. Probably had a stutter or had some type of speech impediment. God says, don't you tell me. All right. Aaron will be the voice, but you're going to be the prophet. And you tell him, how's that? And Moses went, and Jeremiah went. And when you're in prayer, there's things that you would prefer not to say. But if people are looking for the truth, and if you're committed to the truth, then you must say it. You must teach it, and you must preach it. So I came out and preached a message on Y2K, and I asked the people, are we trusting in the Lord? How come I don't sense any sense of danger? It was because it wasn't to happen. Now people, I said good people put up their thoughts, and look, I still got the books. I could go back and pull them off the shelf. It was so candidly implied that you get hard to miss it. This is going to happen, but nobody said it was going to happen. When this doctor comes along and says that the vaccine is going to have nanoparticles and change your RNA, your DNA, and people will be tracking you all over the world and all that stuff, I don't sense any alarm yet, because we know the day is coming when there will be a mark on the hand, right hand, on the forehead. But here's the thing. You see, the mark of the beast is deeply integrated with worship of the Antichrist. We're not worshiping an Antichrist. I mean, not physically. This will be a physical worship, like we see in the days of Daniel, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and so on and so forth, for which they were thrown in a fiery furnace, and other examples. The mark of the beast is deeply associated with the worship of the Antichrist. It's buying into the whole system. So though we're very close, we're not there yet. But be wary, because Jesus said to watch 
and to pray. We are very close. And when, to go back to the New York State recommendation by these lawyers, for me, against my religious beliefs, my philosophical beliefs, or just the fact that, look, I'm asking the doctors, do I want a flu shot? And there's reasons that I should have it. And so I said, yeah, sure. Boop, it's all done. I don't know that anybody's tracking me right now that my genetics have been altered. I have been losing a lot of weight lately, but I think that was done on purpose. I don't think my DNA has changed, but the day will come. The day is coming. How close? It's getting pretty close. When this dress rehearsal will no longer be a dress rehearsal, and it will be the real thing, beware of the good guys. Beware of well-intentioned dragons. Beware of those who mean well, to mean to do good and stick with the scriptures. And listen, if you are fearful when you hear messages like this and you see statistics like this, if you are fearful, and hear me carefully, there's one reason for that. You're not walking close enough with the Lord. That's the reason. Uh-huh. That's the reason. See, because when we see these things, I always wonder why Jack Van Impey, when he was on television, when he was alive, could be almost laughing at the end of the broadcast. And I'm saying, this seems so inappropriate. And my friend, now deceased as well, Grant Jeffrey, same thing. He always be talking about these things with a big smile on his face. That's because God gives his people peace. Remember what Jesus said, peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Remember in the book of Exodus, the judgments falling on Egypt was indicating to Moses and the people, well, it won't be long now, and we'll be out of here. What was judgment for Egypt at the time was deliverance for Israel, and what we're seeing coming on the world, which is judgment on the world. Americans have sold out their own rights. I'll quote Franklin again. Those that exchange liberty for security deserve neither. What we want is constant security. And if your security is not coming from God, from Christ, you'll never find it in man. Any man. Man is fallible. Man is sinful. God is not. He says, when you see these things come to pass, what do he say? Go around like this, trembling with the nervous system haywire. Draw the blinds shut. Switch off your phone. I listened to Dr. Harry Lewis, former dean of Harvard University, professor at Harvard University, then the dean of Harvard College. He's an expert in computers. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. Explaining, he's an expert in computer science. Two of his famous students, guess, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. We're taught by Harry Lewis. And he's saying, you know, when you think you're shutting your phone off, I'll trick him, shut it off. He says, what you're actually doing is activating the radio where it can transmit, become a microphone. Well, we've known this for a long time. If you still have a landline, you probably still have dinosaurs as well in your backyard. (laughs) And you say, oh, it's hung up. They have been able to turn your phone on at any time. And ever since the Patriot Act of the 90s, now they're doing it without warrants. Look at, are you a good person? I mean, obey the law and all of that. We should be able to say, hey, I'm a good guy. Why are you watching me? But that's not how it works out prophetically. We read here that the mark of the beast, whether they're small or great, rich or poor, or bond or free, no matter who they are, they will receive this mark. And they won't be able to buy or sell. We can't buy or sell now. And it's not the mark of the beast. And we're not worshiping the Antichrist. And we still do live, as far as I am concerned, in the land of the free, the home of the brave. Yet it's happening to us. And I'm not going to say that wearing a mask and all these precautions are unnecessary to some degree. But I told you I went into a health food store to get vitamins. And I'm in there and I asked the man who owns the health food store, do I need a mask? He says, I'm good. It's the health guy. I said, I'm good. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. I walked down the aisle looking for what I was looking for. There's a woman standing outside. She was big too. 
And now the owner came over and said, hey, because I told him I had the mask in the car. He says, you know, do you have that mask? I said, well, it's, yeah, it's in the car. And he said, would you mind putting it on? There's a woman outside that won't come in because you don't have a mask. I said, no problem. Went out to the car, put the mask on. Now, this is almost as narrow as Matthew 7:14, the narrow way. When you come into the store, now she's blocking my way. This woman owns the world, or so she thinks. And now, you know, when you're in a tight, I usually I do it like this, I touch people, excuse me. But you can't touch her. She might have just swung at me. I don't want to be taken down by this um, woman. So I said, hey, you know, basically I was trying to be polite. Can I get by you? You wouldn't come in before, but now can I at least get by your corpulent um, body? So here we go. Here we go. You see, we could hardly buy or sell now, today. You're having a hard time finding things on your shelves. There's a lot of things we can't find, and you're wondering why, because factories are shut down. And again, I'm not saying that all of these measures are not necessary and perhaps good to a point, but I am saying this is a dress rehearsal. Quickly, technology. Listen to this, if you have AAA. The American Automobile Association said in its letter to the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, that vehicles, your car, are rapidly becoming two-ton smartphones. That's your car, if you have a smart car. The number of cars connected to the Internet will grow from less than 1 million, and that was 2009, to an estimated 42 million by 2017, and that's three years ago. And that's just vehicles. Millions of people connect through security cameras, home appliances, medical devices, and other products. AAA wants to know who controls all that data. And we want to know, too. But we don't have to really know the specific names because it's written here. Thus saith the Lord. Jesus said the prophecy must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled when there was a curse put on Tyre and Sidon and Egypt and all these people. It was a curse on nations. When God said he would judge an individual, he did. When God said he would send the Messiah, he did. When God says he'll send the Messiah again, he will come again. And he said, this is how it's going to go before I come. The things that I'm saying to you, there's a few more. The temple hasn't been rebuilt in Israel. That must be rebuilt. But don't you use that as an excuse to say, hey, I got time. Because you don't know if tonight is the night that God says to you, you don't have any more time. This is your last day on earth. Not to mention that we're not to be presumptuous because we're going to read in just a minute that Jesus said, no man knows the day and no man knows the hour. And I don't have the time and the place. Bible study would be it to explain to you how this may work. On the one hand, we know the signs. On the other hand, we don't really know even what hour Christ will say, come up here to the church. That's the rapture. He'll return to the earth when people are saying peace and safety with an antichrist governing them. And sudden destruction is what the scriptures say. And the scriptures must be fulfilled. AAA, your AAA wants to know who's got the data. Everybody wants to know who's got the data. Who's got the data? I've told you before with the RFID, the radio frequency identification, it's in your clothes. So you go into Walmart. By the way, Walmart carries one of the largest databases. At one time, it had the largest database of any place on earth. Walmart's. So you go in there, and you're sending off signals everywhere. It's in your jacket, your shirt, your underwear. And it's saying, this is when you bought it, this is when you wore it, this is how much you paid for it. We've been in this situation for quite some time. And the signs are with us. While I was preparing this message, this came out in the newspapers at the same time that I was preparing this message. We're talking about yesterday. Some of you have already seen it when you traveled here. Let me read it to you. New York State Thruway tolls go cashless. November the 14th, yesterday, 2020, 2.21 p.m., Albany, New York. Get your easy pass ready. The New York State Thruway is going completely cashless this weekend. Governor Andrew Cuomo announced Thursday. 
The highway's 450-mile ticketed toll system will be converted to electronic collection during the overnight hours Friday into Saturday, Cuomo said. The switch will happen simultaneously at 58 tolling locations, he said. The rest of the thruway system already stopped accepting cash payments. Cuomo said the thruway is moving to full cashless tolling more than a month ahead of schedule. He made the conversion, interesting word, he made the conversion a goal in 2018, in his 2018 State of the State address. That happened yesterday. Now, if you don't have Easy Pass and you're using the thruway, what are you going to do? Many of you come from a long distance to get to this church. Better leave early. <laughs> Maybe buy a horse. <laughs> get up some of them hills. Swedes are getting implants in their hands to replace cash and credit cards. That's a year ago in June, this article said, thousands of people in Sweden are having futuristic microchips implanted into their skin to carry out everyday activities and replace credit cards and cash. More than 4,000 people have already had the sci-fi-ish, that's their words, sci-fi-ish chips about the size of a grain of rice. I saw one years ago at my friend Grant Jeffrey's house. Inserted into their hands with the pioneers predicting millions will soon join them as they hope to take it global. Like glorified smartwatches, the chips help Swedes monitor their health and even replace key cards to allow them to enter offices and buildings. They have particularly caught on, however, by enabling owners to pay in stores with a simple swipe of the hand. A big deal in a forward-looking country that is moving toward eliminating cash. Sweden, a year ago, still going on. August the 1st, 2017, workers at Three Square Market, Wisconsin-based company specializing in vending machines lined up in the office cafeteria to be implanted with, that's here in the United States, implanted with microchips. One after the other, they held out a hand to a local tattoo artist who pushed a rice grain size implant into the flesh between the thumb and forefinger. The 41 employees who opted into the procedure received complimentary t-shirts that read, I got chipped. That's like asking, can you get me a t-shirt that says, I am stupid? Or one that says, I don't know what the Bible says. I reject it. But that's a dangerous thing. If you're watching by way of the television, listening by way of radio, or any of you sitting here, and you have not really thoroughly researched the Bible, do it. Read the Bible for yourself. I will read it with you and to you, and I will explain and give commentary and explanations. But you have been given the Bible from Tyndall on, William Tyndall on, that's why they translated it into English and many other languages of the world now, so people could read it, so you can know for yourself. And again, if this is frightening you, then you need to look at your life and say, Jesus, just like this song, I need a closer walk with you. I need to love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength, but nothing held back. And to set your affections on things above and not on things below, because down here is going to change. Come with me to Matthew chapter 25 as I finish. This parable I've used so often over the years. When you read Matthew 24 and the signs of the time, don't stop. Read Matthew 25 as well. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. So this is an analogy. It's a parable, but it's an analogy. Which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So this is people who actually went out to meet Jesus as the bridegroom. They went out to meet Jesus. They started. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, there's a hint that the second coming wasn't going to be immediately. And it's again another parable in the same chapter. The wise took oil in their vessels, verse 4. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. Let me translate for you. Give us of your faith. Where's Pastor Barnett? What's his phone number? I can hardly answer all the things that I get from early in the morning to late at night. It's 10 o'clock at night sometimes. I'm still answering things that I'm getting all day long because the ministry has picked up. And I'm grateful for that. I really am. I am grateful that from early in the morning, I'm already answering texts sent in the middle of the night, early in the morning to late at night, and everything in between that's required of me by God, by my master, by Christ. But we have to understand that you can't hand your faith to somebody else. I can't hand you my faith. I can preach and persuade, as I said before, but I can't hand you my faith. And you can't hand yours to your children. You can't hand it to your grandchildren. You can't pass it around. And I would caution you to say who is and who is not saved, because only God knows who is. Now, we look at evidence, but still, it's God who knows. The virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said unto the wise, at verse 8, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, last minute, get some faith. Bible tapes, Bible reading, YouTube videos. It's too late. Remember my messages from a few weeks ago? Do it now. Do it today. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to start that devotional you've been putting off for years. And the prayer life and the church attendance and the Bible study for which some have reasons and some are just making excuses. This is the time to give God your all. This is that time. Before the day comes, God forbid it's any of you here, any of you watching, when you say, he's coming, I need faith, I need this, and it's too late. Prepare now, for surely he's going to come. And that's where I got the title of the message from. Will you receive the mark of the beast? Because if you're left behind, Tim LaHaye's famous book series, your only option will be take it or die. That's it. And afterward, verse 11, the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. The door was shut. Lord, open it to us. But he answered and said, verily, I say unto you, I know you're not. I don't know who you are. We went to your church. We heard the messages. We were at prayer meeting. I don't know you. And he says the exact same thing in the Sermon on the Mount as he finishes in Matthew chapter 7. Some are building their house on a rock. That means they're doing what they're reading. And others who are reading and hearing and reading and hearing and reading and hearing and not doing are fearful of what they're hearing, fearful of the signs, rather than being encouraged. Your house is on sand. When the winds come, you've got to find out that this great edifice you've been building with Bible verses and whatever was no good because you never did it. You never obeyed. Why call me Lord, Lord? But don't do the things that I say to do. Matthew 24, 36, I finish. But after that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So here's a precedent for the rapture being before the great tribulation. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken out. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made him ruler over his household, to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. 
What does that mean? That means the gifts and talents that God gave you, don't say you don't have any because then you're contradicting what God said in the book, were not used to build up the kingdom. And God, Jesus, is going to ask you why. You're going to say you were busy? We're all busy. Oh, we've got the same amount of time. We're all under the same pressures. I would argue with some of you that I'm under more stress than the great amount of you. But I refuse to back off. I refuse to back up. You don't even know how many times I've played music up here and preaching. Now I'm either in pain or I'm feeling sick. But I will not back off because I know the hour. I know the time in which I live. And I can't make an excuse. Oh, God, I didn't feel good. For six months? For six years? No, no, no. But if that evil servant say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just say this. Of all the things that I never wanted to be ever in my whole life before I was saved is a hypocrite, a poser, someone who is pretending. And don't you be one either. Be the real deal in this hour for your own sake and for our sake, for the sake of the kingdom. Will you receive the mark of the beast? Well, that would only be one alternative. That means when Christ comes, you don't go. Be there when he says, come up here. And you can hear him say to you, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, well done. Father, we bless you today and praise you. We do see our signs, but we will not give ourselves up to the spirit of fear. For your word says, for we have not received the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And we bless you and we praise you because we see the prophecies coming to pass. The evidence is clear. Men do not disbelieve because of lack of evidence. They disbelieve because they are not willing to receive the evidence. Help God. Pour out your spirit. Because I know that you are doing a work in the earth. And I know that for every single one who's walking with you now, they are being comforted by your spirit, encouraged by your spirit, and they're being empowered by your spirit. In a way of analogy, this is the last round of a fight. And every good fighter, no matter how tired, weary they may be, they go out and give whatever is left, everything. Like the church of Philadelphia. They had a little strength, but Jesus told them, don't give up. Strengthen that which remains. Strengthen that which remains. And every great fighter, every great athlete, at the end gives it everything that they have. And God, that's the hour in which we live. To give everything we have to your glory, to your honor. In the hope that others we can bring with us. God, these things are in your hands. I pray today for those who have listened to this message and messages in the future should you tarry any longer. Encourage their hearts, build them up, strengthen them, but never let them compromise. And let there not even be one hypocrite. We're sinful, but we own up to that, God. We fail you, and we own up to that as well. But our hearts are turned towards you. God, fill us and strengthen us again that we may be your servants. That everyone here will be able to hear the words of you. Say to them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. We bless you. We pray for those that we know in our family and friends and circle of friends who don't know you. Help us to know the reasons and give an answer to them that ask for this hope that's in us in God and in Christ. And God, save America. Save us from the insidious evil that's with us. Oh God, help us. Strengthen us. Fill us in this hour. When you go home, meditate on these things. Read it for yourself. Read the scriptures. Go through them. See if Pastor Ray got it right. It's right there. But whatever you do, make a decision right now. 
as feeble as it may be, and that's how I often feel before the Lord. I feel so weak for the task set out before me. I still endeavor to say, God, today you get it all, all that I have, all that I can. Make sure that you love God with all the heart, soul, mind, and every bit of strength you have. And what's much more difficult is loving the brethren. Father, upon these two commandments, the entire Bible stands. Love to you, love to each other, and help us to receive your love, and to act in your love, and to walk in your love, and have confidence, because that's what builds faith, that you love us and care for us. Once again, Father, we give you all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise, and as my good brother's two-year-old son said, out of nowhere, Jesus is coming. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained praise. We pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And amen.